The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And some of you may have been expecting to hear an interview with Lynn Serafin today, but unfortunately she was unable to make the show and she's now going to do the show on June the 1st. Um, but I was thinking that it was uh, important for me to do a show of my own at this uh, stage because so much has happened in the last little while to me and and, uh, and, and my awareness of what is happening in the world and, and just incredible insights and synchronicities that have been coming my way and so I, I was actually looking forward to doing my own show so when Lynn uh, called off uh, a couple of weeks ago it provided me with this this opportunity to step into my own show uh, and, and talk about my recent trip to England which was a, an incredible coming together of many of the pieces of the puzzle for me. And I just want to begin by acknowledging the, the show itself. There seems to have been some consciousness uh, growing uh, around the show itself, and the guests that I've had have been coming in and just giving me all their incredible knowledge and information and stories. And this just creates this this swell of energy uh, that... that comes forward and, and gives me the insights that I need to go to the next stage of, uh, of, my, uh, of my growth and development and, and understanding of, of how this is all fitting together. And uh, Walter Cruttenton did a wonderful job on the show last week talking about the fact that we have bottomed out in consciousness, thank goodness, around the year 500 AD. Um, and of course, 500 AD was our darkest moment in, in recent history in terms of the lowest level of consciousness and of course at that time King Arthur was alive on the planet and, and his role clearly was to keep that glimmer of light available to us and so now another 1500 years later we are just beginning our return to higher consciousness and greater awareness again and I think one of the points that uh, Carmen Bolter made and one of the points that Walter Cruttenden made was that the last golden age probably occurred 5,000 years ago with Akhenaten and Nefertiti and Tutankhamun and the idea that those people who lived in golden ages knew about these cycles that were coming 
through the, the, the loss of consciousness, the loss of light, the loss of our connection to Sirius as being uh, the binary star with our own sun, and that we, we lose this consciousness. And so the, the ancients left things for us to discover when we once again return back to a su sufficient level of consciousness for us to remember our connection and to begin our reconnection to those old ancient sites, sacred sites and standing stone circles and pyramids and NASCAR lines and, and crop circles and all of this energy which is being provided for us from the ancient realms for us to now remember who we, who we are in this process. And so I'm, I'm really aware that the guests on the show have been providing me with these insights as well, of course, you, you the listeners, in piecing this puzzle together. And literally days before I left on my flight to England, I uh, had had a conversation with Robert Boval when he was on the show, uh, who is now writing uh, a, a revision of his book called Talisman. Uh, the book is now called The Master Game. And in Talisman, uh, Robert Boval talks about uh, Christopher Wren, who was the great uh, English architect in the 1600s, and the fact that on 9-11... 1666, uh, Christopher Wren provided the new plan for the city of London to King Charles II. And I, and I just know in my own heart and in my own awareness that there were some very significant uh, moments taking place in that time in England in the 1600s. King Charles I got uh, usurped by Cromwell in the big civil war and then King Charles II came back it was the Stuarts bloodline lineage that Cromwell interrupted and uh, King Charles was back on the throne again when the Great Fire of London takes place now unbelievably from uh, Robert Baval's research what he reveals is that the plan that Christopher Wren had for the city of London was to create a full Kabbalah tree of life imprinted in the new city of London, where the Great Fire had taken place in 1666. And this just seems to be, A, a ridiculous uh, thing, <laughs> and secondly, uh, why, why would he be putting a tree of life over the city of London, creating these long, straight avenues with circuses at intervals to create the ten Sephiroth in the city of London? And so I uh, decided when I arrived in London to go and check this out. And I knew essentially the backbone of the Tree of Life, which was the Strand and Fleet Street. And I also knew that the Templars were involved in this process and so that there was uh, eight-pointed stars involved, uh, the octagon. Uh, and, uh, and I had already visited the, the London Monument, uh, so I knew where the Great Fire had started. And so I jumped on the, uh, the tube from where I was staying in North London and it so happened that the nearest tube station to the area that I was investigating was Bank. And so I came out of the tube station at Bank, which is the financial district of uh, London, and you can emerge from the tube in a number of different places. And I came up uh, in this little quadrant of street right in the middle of, uh, of Bank. And, and I looked... Uh, down the streets and I, I was absolutely taken aback to realize that I was actually standing in the center of an eight-pointed star where all these roads go off in eight directions 
And when you looked down the centre of each road, uh, that there is a monument or a tall spire of a church down every single one of those of those uh, of those lines of those avenues leading away from bank. And I thought, wow, it's it's actually it's actually here. It, it's real. It's true. And looking back behind me, looking uh, down, um, sort of, it's an east-west line. So looking west uh, to St Paul's Cathedral, which of course uh, Christopher Wren was his masterpiece. And this actually is the heart of the the whole structure. Uh, if you, if you want to uh, impose the seven chakra system on the tree of life, then you can also look at the different different layers of any imprinted uh, spiritual structure. And so I, I began to realize that it existed. I also discovered that night, having done my research uh, on foot, uh, that it wasn't a perfect tree of life. And in fact, his original plan was not accepted because it required people to sell land to line up all the streets and the avenues. Um, but he was involved in the actual uh, implementation of the new city of London. And so clearly he did the best that he could to, to create this structure. And so um, I, I went about my business and, and found all sorts of very, very interesting elements within uh, th this tree of life structure. And in fact, St. Paul's Cathedral itself contains a tree of life. Uh, the original St. Paul's was burned down, and so he was able to, to construct and arch uh, architecturally design St. Paul's Cathedral with a tree of life inside. So in reality, the St. Paul's Cathedral is not just... Christian church. It is indeed a spiritual center which houses the connection to the Kabbalah. So why would Christopher Wren be wanting to put a Jewish Kabbalah over the city of London was one of the questions that I was asking myself. And I got the answer when I went up to the crown chakra, the, uh, the Kitha, uh, right at the top. Um, and I stood at Aldgate, which is where the, the, the crown is, and and clearly the roads come back right into Aldgate, and I'm standing in Aldgate saying, okay, what is the connection here? Why is this the crown chakra? And, uh, of course, it, it, it came to me as I, as I looked around me that I was in the Jewish quarter of London. And there is actually a road called Jewry, J-E-W-R-Y, that goes off this crown chakra. And what this was doing was Christopher Wren was reconnecting us back to the true original bloodlines that went back through Jesus and Mary Magdalene, the Moses and Miriam, uh, the house of David and King Solomon, and then back into Egypt uh, to Akhenaten and Tet uh, Nefertiti and Tutankhamun and through to the original pharaonic uh, bloodlines and then of course beyond there to Atlantis and Lemuria. So he was putting an imprint into the landscape to connect us back to our true heritage because there were imposters that came in along the way who were not really of the true energy of the true bloodline. Now, why is that true bloodline so important? Well, it's because that bloodline is connected to the alchemical gold, the elixir of life. It's connected to the consciousness of the sun. And all of these leaders who were really, really connected to the true bloodline were also connected to spirit and worked consciously with spirit all the time and always, always, always were attempting to create the most perfectly balanced, harmonious, golden age civilization 
for their people in that time. And of course what happened is people came in and took the power away from the people and created controls uh, to have all the benefits for themselves, not for the people. So what Christopher Wren was really trying to do in a hidden way uh, was to reconnect us back to source. And somewhat ironically, and there's all sorts of cosmic jokes and synchronicities involved in this, but also at the crown chakra of the Tree of Life in London is uh, the Tower of London. And of course, what happened in the Tower of London was that if you did uh, state your truth and connect back to the true bloodline, you got your head chopped off. The Tower of London was where people went to be beheaded in the, in the Middle Ages. And it was where all these c controls were, were, were being placed upon people from, uh, from that place. And I'm always uh, connecting back to Henry VIII and Thomas More and, and Thomas More being beheaded for retaining, staying true to his faith. And he wrote the book Utopia, which, of course, is what, what this is really, really all about. But also in the Tower of London, of course, are the Queen's crown jewels. So again, I had this really funny little play on words of the crown chakra, the Jewish quarter, and here we have the Queen's crown jewels being housed in the Tower of London. And I could go on for the rest of the show about London, but I've got more important stuff to deal with. But that was the first two days of my visit, and I began to realize, and it's not just London, this is true in Paris, it's true in New York, it's true in Washington, D.C., that these um, powerful energy grids have been placed within the structure of the cities, alignments along grids and, and directions, so people who know what they're doing can reconnect with these energies and use them for the greater good, which is what this uh, ultimately is all about. So I, I had this uh, incredible head start for, for my trip. Um, and the next stop uh, after London, which I'll, I'll begin uh, talking about after our first break here, uh, is to Stonehenge. And you think, okay, what is, what is the connection between the grid being placed over the city of London and the standing stone circle of Stonehenge? And I'll, I'll tell you uh, on our return in a few moments after our first break. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. The new home for visionary positive change. 7th Wave Network.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I'd just like to let you know that I'm actually going to be involved in a new series, a uh, free tele-event uh, called The New Wealth Life Evolution. And actually, I think I'm the first uh, guest on. It's 21 visionary leaders and healers sharing their best strategies. And I'm going to be on uh, next Wednesday, actually, April the 20th at 5 p.m. And the website to go to is www.newwealthchallenge.com. And you can sign up there for the free televent. And you can hear more of my story of alchemical transformation, health, wellness, and our connection to the stars and the land next Wednesday at 5. So check out www.newwealthchallenge.com. So back to my story. Now, I, I... I won't tell the story about how this uh, visit came about. That's a story for another time. Uh, but let's suffice to say that part of this journey was to actually go into the center of Stonehenge, actually inside the Stone Circle, which is uh, a rare occasion, a, a rare opportunity these days. And so we were there at uh, 6.30 in the morning. Um, as as uh, there was no sun this day, it was a typical drizzly day uh, in England, but it was uh, obviously around dawn, and we were actually inside the stone circle where uh, we were um, given some really wonderful uh, instruction from Maria Wheatley, uh, an expert on dowsing and the straight sacred sites of southern England, and uh, she showed us how to douse the stones. You actually aren't allowed to touch them. You can douse them. And a beautiful and, and amazing thing happens when you douse the great megaliths at Stonehenge. And that is that when you use your dowsing rods, uh, you find that the dowsing rods move as you move up the, the great stones. And they, they shift to demonstrate to you um, that they are actually giving off frequencies. And those frequencies have now been measured and they are sound frequencies uh, outside the audible range. And when you go up the, the great megaliths, it actually takes place uh, in five places. So, in fact, the megalithic stones have the seven chakras, just as we do. Two of them are below ground, so you can't measure those, and five are above ground. But they have used sensitive sound equipment to measure the exact frequencies of these, uh, of these incredible stones. Now, why is this important? Well, I go back to my... A uh, great show with Michael Tellinger recently, who has uncovered a, a series of incredible uh, standing stone circles in southern Africa. And he is convinced that the stone circles are actually able, if only we know the technology, to create all the energy required from the sound frequencies that they give off. He has found that if you bang stones together, which he has found in this vicinity, that they actually ring like bells and that the structure in which the stone circles are set up look from the air rather like our modern-day cyclotrons. So it looks as if there's a collection of an amplification of the sound frequencies to be put into a usable energy form. And we are now actually developing things called sasers rather than lasers 
using sound frequencies to generate this this energy. So the message from Stonehenge, first of all, was this: that there is this incredible untapped resource of energy waiting to be utilized within these beautiful, mag magnificent stones. And the whole circle is set up as a temple to the sun. They have different stones. They have the blue sarsen stones from the Wales and the megalithic granite stones. And the reason for that is the different conductivities between the stones allow the energy to flow. And you can actually sense and feel when you're doing the dowsing because the dowsing rods, not only are they sensitive and show you the energies by their movement, but somehow you yourself become more sensitized to the energies when you're there. And so you begin to sense the flow of energy that goes between the stones. And of course, as is often the case in these circumstances, it's the space between the stones which is just as important as the stones themselves. And how the stones interact with each other. And the heel stone, which is the stone that is outside the stone circle, is the stone where in, in Stonehenge, the um, sun rises above the heelstone on the summer solstice sun. And that takes me back to my, my uh, radio show with Greg Sams, who talked about the consciousness of the sun. So just imagine when this is all lined up and the sun is about to rise on the summer solstice in June and all the stones are ready to vibrate out their sound frequency with the sun as it rises over that heelstone. Just imagine the energy that is uh, waiting to emerge as this consciousness connects through the sun and through the stones and through the earth. And of course the missing element in that is the human being. And isn't it tragic that Stonehenge is not made available to the people that you actually have to walk around the outside in an anti-clockwise direction, the wrong way around, uh, as you go into the stones. And you can't go anywhere near them. And the stones are crying out for their connection to humanity. Thank goodness uh, King Arthur Pendragon actually took the British government to court and demanded that Stonehenge be made available to the Druids on their uh, temple days of the solstices, the winter and summer solstice. And so now Stonehenge has to be made available to all people for a period of time on the two solstices. It's the only time that it's made available to the public to actually go into the stone circle itself. And so there's a, there's a phenomenal energy there that's not being used appropriately at all through the stone circles of Stonehenge. But I also want to start bringing in the connection to the star systems because the Draco constellation is just about to line up directly over Stonehenge in the next little while. And why that's important, I, and I've been wondering why Draco was so important in the alignment of these energies. It was one of the alignments for the Great Pyramid um, in, in Egypt along with Orion. It was Orion in one direction and Draco in the other direction. And Draco used to give us a measurement of the, of the positioning of, of, of north um, in the old days. But what it's about today is the Draco constellation is connected to the dragon energies of the land. And so what is happening is we've got this alignment coming up with Draco stationing itself directly above the centers of these sacred sites. And so there's this very powerful connection being made back through the dragon energy ley lines of the earth which flow through the earth and connect up around the planet. 
And so we've got this uh, wonderful opportunity coming our way where everything is connecting up and coming into coherence and balance and a level of consciousness beyond what we have known in the past. And this is what I was beginning to realize on my journey, that we're moving into this reawakening time of consciousness and awareness where the stars and the land are deliberately coming into alignment to assist us in our awakening process. And that then led me on from, uh, from Stonehenge to Avebury, which I have to say is, is my favorite place. I, f I feel a personal, very strong connection to Avebury. And Richard Leviton, who was on the show a long time ago, uh, has said that um, Avebury is the actual umbilical cord connection into the earth from the cosmos. It's, it's the connecting point that connects the earth to everything else. And so it is, it's the most nurturing center that you can, you can go to. And what's neat about Avebury is that uh, the major ley line that runs across England from the southwest in Cornwall uh, in a northeast diagonal line coming out on, on the east coast very close to a place called Great Yarmouth, uh, that line, the Michael Mary line, has been very accurately doused. And uh, the dowsers are so committed to this task, they were following the line, the Michael Mary line, uh, as a line. And they got to Avebury and they realized that, in fact, it wasn't one line. It wasn't just a, a line running across the country. That, in fact, there were two lines. That there was a Michael line, which is the masculine line, and a Mary line, which is the feminine line. And they keep passing uh, over each other in these node points so they keep separating and coming together rather like a DNA uh, a piece of, of, of the, the coil and they keep coming together and going apart and coming together and the beautiful thing of course is with dousing rods you can douse the lines and you can find the lines and so in Avebury there's a magnificent avenue of stones which in fact is the Michael line and it's a processional entrance into the stone circle and the Mary line comes in from over a hill and the Michael and Mary line join together at a place called the Ringstone. Unfortunately the Ringstone is no longer there but the place where it used to be is still the place where the Michael and Mary lines come together and of course it's the ideal place in the stone circle to get married because it's where the masculine and feminine come together in perfect harmony and balance and in fact people do uh, get married there. Celia Gunn who was another one of the guests on my show married Anthony Thorley who is the landscape zodiac expert in that very spot and in the old days when there was a ring stone there mothers would pass their babies through the hole in the stone because it was the most perfectly balanced place you could find. Passing your baby through that stone brought the baby full and complete healing, wholly balanced. And the Christian church sadly outlawed that practice and stopped people passing their babies through the stone, uh, taking people away from our natural connection to the earth. So Mother Earth is providing these opportunities for us always to connect uh, uh, with, with nature and with consciousness and to bring natural healing through all of the gifts of the plants and the herbs and the trees and, and the stones and it's all this incredible interconnected uh, consciousness that we 
uh, returning to. I, I have no doubt this is going to become a massive explosion of connection that we're going to be going through. And the beautiful thing about Avebury is people are, are upset in some ways that the village is inside the stone circle. There's a, a, a pub right in the center of the stone circle. But actually it's a really good thing because it means they can't actually close it off. So you can go and hug the stones, you can lie down with the stones, you can spend as much time as you want to in the village of Avebury amongst the stones. And of course the energy is so powerful there through the Michael Mary line, this is uh, one of the areas where most of the crop circles show up. Um, the, the, the Vale of Pusey is the area essentially in England where all the crop circles shows up and Avery is, is part of that. And the energy that emanates from, from Avery uh, is just absolutely magnificent. And of course people tend to think about Stonehenge and Glastonbury and miss out Avery and I strongly urge anybody who's on their journey in England to go to Avery. So our next stopping place is going to be Glastonbury where we had just a phenomenal experience. And so we'll continue our journey along the ley lines and the energy grids of the earth in Glastonbury after this break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Listening on a higher dimension. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And I do want to... Uh, ask you to go to www.myheartcenterjourney.com because this incredible chalice of energy and light is building and I am doing my Ambassadors of Light class uh, tomorrow evening, 5.30 Thursday uh, and I will be talking on that show about uh, the landscape zodiacs that I'm going to be coming to in this talk uh, in much greater detail and help people to see how they can work with the landscape zodiac, whether you have one in your own area or not, actually doesn't matter because we can work with consciousness with the zodiac and give you the opportunity to become free of the wheel of karma and move on to your own fully free, enlightened path. And so I'm going to be spending tomorrow night's class talking about how we can achieve that through 
the Landscape Zodiac. So please do go to myheartcenterjourney.com and check out the Ambassadors of Light class, the next one being an important one tomorrow at 5.30, connected to the energies that, uh, that I'm talking about on the show today. Whenever you uh, approach a sacred site from a distance, uh, there's always a wonderful building up of anticipation energy, and, and I'm never disappointed when, I, when you first see the structure appear on the horizon. Think about places like Chartres Cathedral where you see the massive great spires, and, and it's the same when you're approaching Glastonbury Tor, and, and you just see this mound with this little tower on the top. And it's just, it's just an amazingly wonderful moment when you know you're almost there on, on your drive in to Glastonbury. And it is a very, very special place. We began our adventure actually in the Abbey where, again, Maria Wheatley was with us and was uh, still doing the dousing with us. And, and the, the great Abbey, uh, which, which unfortunately is, is no longer whole and complete, but there is sufficient uh, of the structure there for us to be able to see how it, uh, it worked. It was an mass- absolutely massive uh, abbey. Uh, and, and you can douse quite easily the seven chakra points as you go through the abbey, uh, going in at the west entrance where there's usually uh, a b- baptismal font where you, people um, cross themselves with, with holy water. And that's the base chakra. And then as you move through, you can pick up the sacral chakra, the solar plexus. And then the heart chakra is actually the transept, the cross pieces of the, of the cathedral. Um, and that's where uh, the main altar is. But then there are several places beyond that the common folk were never uh, allowed to go. We weren't uh, worthy enough to go further into the heart uh, of, of the cathedral or the abbey. And so the next place is the choir, which of course is the throat chakra. And then the high altar, as it's called, is the third eye. But there's always a place beyond, beyond the high altar. And if you go into any major cathedral or any major abbey, you will find that the place that is beyond the high altar, which is, of course, the crown chakra, is always a lady's chapel, usually dedicated to Mother Mary. And so I advise you, whenever you go to any of the major cathedrals or abbeys in the world, the place to go and do your own quiet prayer and reflection is in the tiny ladies' chapel at the far end of the cathedral where we were never allowed to go in the old days and go and spend some time in that sacred place of the sacred feminine at the top end in the crown chakra of the abbey. King Arthur and Guinevere are allegedly buried uh, in the abbey and there's a beautiful diamond satin square a dousing line that goes around their graves where the Michael Mary line create this beautiful separation into this diamond structure around their grave sites. Whether it's their grave site or not, there's definitely something special going on there. And then, of course, we turn to the legend of Joseph of Arimathea who brought the Holy Family after the crucifixion to the south of France and to southern England and to Avalon, uh, to Glastonbury in particular. And what I believe was happening here was that the, uh, the, the family were not safe. And again, we're talking about the true bloodline. So Joseph Arimathea was the guy with the money. He had ships. He had tin mines in Cornwall. And so he was able to transport people around. And what they did was set up several communities in France and in the south of England, the southwest, 
Wales, Scotland and Ireland to hide away the key people um, from the Romans. And so they kept them at the extremities of uh, the west of England and the north and they kept moving people around so that they were always uh, kept as safe as possible. And so developed these very powerful spiritual communities that blended together the spiritual energies of the Middle East and with Europe and the Druids and the Celts and the Pagans and they all came together in support of each other. It must have been an incredible time to have been around where this, there was this incredible fear behind the scenes and at the same time there was this incredible spiritual work being done. And, and so is, is Glastonbury. Uh, is one of these absolutely sacred places. The Isle of Avalon, Cadbury Castle, the alleged site of Camelot and King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And when you're in Glastonbury, you're very aware of this uh, remarkable energy that's there. So one of my missions in Glastonbury was to look into the landscape zodiacs because I was very, very uh, aware that something significant was happening through the woman who discovered the Glastonbury zodiac, whose name was Catherine Maltwood, uh, in the 1920s. She was given a document called the High History of the Holy Grail, which had been translated from French into English, and she was given the task of interpreting the information within. And she went on a, an actual physical journey around the landscape, around Glastonbury Tor, and she discovered in the landscape, as a result of reading the text of the High History of the Holy Grail, uh, a, a landscape effigy of Leo the lion, a magnificent lion in a place called Somerton. And so began this incredible journey and a realization and awareness that in fact there was a full zodiacal landscape around Glastonbury Tor. And Catherine Mortwood discerned this in the 1920s. And what she realized was that this was a gift given to us probably by the Sumerians, about 2700 BC, which provided us with an opportunity to work through the landscape to settle all of our human uh, issues, our lower human ego issues that needed resolving through the 12 archetypes of the sun signs of the zodiac. Now, it doesn't need to be uh, sun signs. It could be any of the 12 archetypes that we need to uh, resolve and transform and transmute. Um, so it could be the 12 labors of Hercules, it could be the 12 apostles, it could be the 12 priestesses, priestesses the 12 oracles. Um, it, it can be any of these archetypical, archetypical energies, the mythologies and legends of history that have shown us exactly what we need to uh, transcend to become fully, fully evolved. And this is what this landscape zodiac was, was all about. And so we were given this incredible gift on this journey to meet with a group called the Maltwood Moot, uh, led by Yuri and Anthony Thorley and Celia Gunn. And these are the people that still work with the landscape zodiac in Glastonbury today. And what they do is go on a monthly journey, a workshop, where they work through all the um, issues related to a particular sun sign in the month of that sign. So currently in April it is uh, Aries. And so you work through all the issues of the archetypical energies of Aries and, and the good and the less good and come to terms with where that sits in your own being so that you can resolve that. And you get into creative artistic expression of how 
you bring out of yourself the, the issues and energies of Aries and then you go into a more reflective and meditative state and head off to the actual landscape feature and within that landscape feature you will find a place an energy connection where you can do your own vision quest your own energy connection to the earth to that particular uh, sun sign structure connecting through the constellations into the earth and through you it's absolutely wonderful powerful process so that over the course of 12 months you get to resolve all of your lower human ego issues in the world and you can be completely free of any karma and able to move on into your own uh, higher level conscious work on the planet working in co-creation with the planet and with the stars it's an absolutely magnificent plan structure that's been created for us and so we had this incredible gift of going up to the top of Glastonbury Tor viewing the landscape which you can't see looking down you would have to be in an aeroplane to see the structures but now if you go to Google Earth and you go uh, to Glastonbury Tor and you look at a, a circle to the south of Glastonbury Tor including the tour itself you can begin to start picking up these features in the landscape it's, it's quite remarkable uh, the tour itself is is Aquarius and of course we are shifting from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius and an amazing incident took place uh, in December where the holy thorn tree that Joseph of Arimathea uh, created by putting his staff in the ground on a place called Weirior Hill which is in Pisces uh, and the tree turned sorry the, the staff flowered into a, a holy thorn tree and flowers at Christmas every year and lo and behold in December some vandals came along and cut that tree down and I when I went to to, to see the tree it was beautifully or, uh, or uh, all sorts of holy and spiritual uh, emblems and symbols and crystals and angels and flowers were there honoring this tree and when I was there I very much felt that this was some sort of symbolic end of the Piscean Age that, this, that, that the Piscean Age was over and we were now stepping into the Aquarian Age which of course in the landscape in Glastonbury is the tour itself so we did some ceremonies at the tree to bring it to completion and honoring and I, it may well come back to flower in the future but for me symbolically that was that was the cutting of the end of Pisces and the beginning of the Aquarian age so then we went to the top of the tour uh, at midnight and spent some time under the stars and under the energies of, of the Glastonbury zodiac a very very powerful and wonderful moment and just before I'd left to go on the trip to England it was becoming clear uh, that in my hometown of Victoria there was actually a landscape zodiac here and Catherine Maltwood when she left England just before the Second World War uh, was a woman of, of some means financially she could have gone anywhere in the world and she moved directly from Glastonbury in England to Victoria British Columbia Canada and there was no doubt she knew exactly what she was doing everything she did was on purpose with intention so she obviously created something or was working with something here for the last uh, 20 or so years of her life before she passed in 1961 so now we have this exciting prospect of discovering the landscape features here in Victoria and how all this connects into our awakening consciousness 
So uh, I, I will uh, continue this this rambling story, which I hope is making some sense to some of you, because there is a thread that connects it all together, which I'll come to shortly. So we'll, have, we'll now have our, our final break, and I'll return with this uh, story of mine in a few moments. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be Extraordinary. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. And if you're feeling really strongly connected, if you're resonating with what I'm saying today, then I strongly urge you to join us on the Ambassadors of Light class tomorrow evening at 5.30 through www.myheartcenterjourney.com. And I'll show you how to work with the Landscape Zodiac to really uh, create your own healing and your movement forward on your spiritual path. So many people want to be on their path and want to move forward in higher consciousness and are not quite sure how to do it. And this is a very profound, highly organized, structured way for you to do so. So let me just finish off in Glastonbury by talking about the Chalice Well Gardens. It's just the most beautiful, serene, peaceful place I have ever been to at any time. So when you're in Glastonbury, make sure you go to the Chalice Well, which is right on the side of the, of, of the tour and has just got the beautiful, the red and the white water springs flowing, beautiful, powerful healing waters, but this is the most sacred place uh, to, to meditate. So the last stop on our journey was, was off in Tintagel in Cornwall, very wild coastline, almost like the Oregon-type coastline, and just really earthy, powerful waves crashing in. And this is the alleged site of the birth of King Arthur, and very, very powerful energies. And, and one of the, the neat things about driving down from Glastonbury, uh, when you understand the way the ley lines work, the Michael Mary line, as you're traveling down the highway, you see these monuments and, and, and you can follow the map and you can see every time you're on the Michael Mary line, there's either stone circles or monuments just guiding you along the way. And the way that the ancients did it was they would build structures on the horizon so from wherever you were, you could see where you needed to go 
Uh, sometimes it was a coppice of trees, sometimes stone circles, sometimes uh, monuments. So they were always showing you the direction that you were going uh, along the ley line. So now we curved off the Michael Mary line to go to Tintagel, uh, Tintagel Island, which, which has a, uh, an old ancient uh, castle uh, on the island. And whether King Arthur was born there or not, it's still a, a magnificent, magnificent place. And the, so what was really interesting about going to Tintagel for me, apart from taking in all the Arthurian legends and all the energy of Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and Guinevere and the Lady of the Lake, was the knowing through Paul Broadhurst's book, uh, which is written about this journey, which is uh, all about Arthur. It's called The Secret Land. But what he has determined is that right on the land next to Tintagel Island is a great bear in the landscape. And the great, bar, the great bear or the Big Dipper constellation is the constellation connected to King Arthur. So you've got this great bear's head looking straight at Tintagel Island in the landscape uh, in Tintagel, connecting through to the great bear constellation. And so what this was telling me was that it's not just about a landscape zodiac for the sun signs, but the constellations are also imprinted in the earth, sometimes naturally and sometimes by the ancients. So the great pyramids of Giza were created to reflect Orion's belt in the constellation of, of Orion. And Carmen Bolter talks about the Band of Peace, which in fact is 22 pyramids, which make up a bigger structure, which reflect many of the star systems and constellations. So the, the point that we need to understand is that the ancients knew that part of our connection was to create connections between the stars and the land. And that we, the human beings, are the rainbow bridge that connect the two together. So what I was beginning to realize as I went on this journey and as we, we came to uh, the conclusion of, of this trip before I came home was, first of all, that we are definitely reawakening to a higher level of consciousness. That what we need to do is be fully present here on Earth. It's not about traveling out of body and going off uh, to see the sights. That's, it's okay to do that, but we're actually supposed to be here living a physical human life on the planet, but doing so in full co-creation with the land and with the stars and the constellations. And that when we come into alignment energetically, absolutely wonderful and profound things happen. And I just want to talk a little bit uh, about all the synchronicities that come about and, and how and why they come about. And uh, Anthony Thorley was talking to us in our time in Glastonbury about something called back causation, which is now being studied by the quantum physicists. And this is a really, really important concept for us to understand. And that is that when you have one of these revelatory moments, when you get it, when you have this moment of insight and knowing, just like Catherine Maltwood did when she realized that in fact there was a full landscape zodiac in the land, when you have that incredible moment of awareness, it fixes that energy, that vibration in the matrix. And then people in the past have had to create all of the pieces of the puzzle for you to experience that moment. 
And that's what back causation is. It's a synchronous connection of all the pieces for you in that moment to observe and to be part of. And that's why all of this is governed by synchronicity. So we've talked about synchronicity a great deal in the spiritual realms and going back to Carl Jung. But now this is the connecting piece that it's, it's synchronized energy that creates the opportunity for us to make these, these connections. And these landscape features are not static. There's a whole mythology and legend about each one, but also how each of them are interconnected. And I'll just give you one example. So Sagittarius, normally the centaur, is actually half horse, half man. Well, the man part of Sagittarius in the landscape zodiac is King Arthur. So King Arthur is riding on the back of Sagittarius, of the horse. And he has his bow, the bow of Sagittarius, and he fires, fires an arrow from the bow of Sagittarius into the eye of Taurus, into literally the bull's eye. And this traditionally is aligned for him by, along what's called the Fingers of Law by Guinevere. So you begin to see that it's, it's not just a static, it's an actual active uh, mythological movement that's taking place through these structures. And so what we need to understand and realize is that we have this glorious opportunity, this glorious gift to begin working once again with the land with the stars and the constellations and working together as humanity in conscious co-creation. When we look at the stage of the Mayan calendar that we're in now, in the final level, we are in exactly that. We are in conscious co-creation. And this whole shift towards December 21st, 2012 is this sort of movement, this grand swell, this wave of energy which is going to lead us through into this new uh, awareness the awareness that we're all interconnected and therefore we're all in this together working together in harmony and peace and love in our hearts because at the end of the day all of this is about us connecting through our hearts in absolutely pure unconditional love and total acceptance of, of ourselves and everyone around us and I'm going to encourage you to pay attention to what takes place in the world uh, to do with the land and the stars and, and the human kingdom I think we're going to see some real major breakthroughs coming soon. And, and I um, am, am now dedicating myself to understanding the, the landscape zodiac features as much as I can because I know how important it is. And so I do hope you will join me uh, tomorrow evening for further discussions about landscape zodiacs uh, on my Ambassador of Light class on www.myheartcenterjourney.com. Well, it's been a fast run through what was, a, what was an incredible journey for me, and I hope you've got the sense of the energy behind it, and I hope you've enjoyed this show. My guest next week is Peter McCoppin, who also has seen the light and shifted from his original uh, world as a, a wonderful musical conductor of the Victoria Symphony Orchestra, but now he's helping people to find their path, shifting from a place of fear to a place of, of courage and, and unfolding, bringing out the, the giant within. So I'm really looking forward to uh, my conversation on the show with Peter McCoppin next week. I really hope that you've enjoyed this very fast, brief run-through of my 
recent journey and the the ideas and concepts that have emerged from it. Uh, have a great week. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.